The Southern Fried Witch. And today I am miserable about not being able to plant everything I want to plant outside. (laughs) Our climate has assuredly changed. Our weather patterns are, well, I don't know. They're just not what they usually are. In Alabama, by now, things should have been in the ground a long time ago. And some things can be in the ground right now if they're in the high tunnel. But my sweet potatoes go outside, and I don't know if y'all know it or not, but it is a very bad idea to put sweet potatoes outside if the nighttime temps are not consistently 55, or honestly better than that. It opens them up to disease and fungus, and you could end up losing your crop, and uh, it's just not a great idea. So I have all of these overwhelmingly ready to go into the ground, (laughs) purple sweet potatoes. And yeah, looks like I have to wait at least another four or five days. I want to tell y'all though that I tried all of the methods this year on starting and uh, even propagating sweet potato vines. And for me, anyway, for me, the water method, you know, where you cut a piece that has several good eyes in it and toothpick that sucker. That one, it produced the fastest. However, those little tiny vines are still, you know, they're not that big yet. They're not going crazy. The ones that I just put whole sweet potatoes in the ground to see what would happen. They also just have tiny little growth and they're in the high tunnel. But the ones that I put into sterile soil in a plastic Tupperware, the kind that you would use for your, you know, Christmas decorations or whatever, and uh, just sat there, left them alone in about an 80 degree nursery. Yeah, those went absolutely insane. Now they were the last ones to take off. But when they did take off, I mean, I think I've got two feet of growth already. So that is the winner. Also, just way less work because with the um, cuttings that I'm putting into water, you know, the actual pieces of tighter, those will have to change the water every day to keep it clear and healthy. And that was a lot of work. So this is definitely the way to go. Mm-hmm. And I hope they'll keep on hanging in there until I can get them in the ground. This has got to be the coldest, and it's not cold, y'all. It's not cold, but we don't usually see 46-degree knots in May. That's not what we see. Uh, Usually by now, everybody's sweating themselves to death, and climate change is real, y'all. But that's enough about farming and gardening. I worry that y'all get tired of hearing that, and I have other things on my mind. Just recently, one of the ways I'm continuing to bushcraft my witchcraft, which for me means dropping all bells and whistles for an entire year 
But I think I am doing a little bit more than that. I'm also slimming back on, I don't know what to call it, commercialized witchcraft, I suppose. Um, I guess I am spending way more time by myself in the woods. And you know what? Commercialized is not quite right. What I've really done here is I've stripped away all of the other voices, except for the voice of my great mother. I'm a goddess worshiper, as y'all know. Nature, the trees, my ancestors, the land spirits, the plants, <laughs> my animals. I've just stripped away all the other voices and all of the other buzz I'm still producing this podcast, but I'm doing it in a way that I feel comfortable doing it, which I realize sometimes is going to cost listeners or growth, but that's okay to me. That's okay, y'all. You know, I've told y'all before, my grandmama told me, you don't need to be worried about growing your wealth. You need to be worried about growing your soul. And that is more than true. That is more than true. I'm not wealthy in the way that a capitalistic society would expect me to be. And in fact, we struggle quite a bit. It's mostly because I won't sell out. (laughs) You know, I won't do it. And I've had plenty of opportunities to do so. For instance, if you hear me do an ad, I can assure you that I've thought thoroughly, that I've thought deeply about that ad and who those people are and how they are represented. I simply will not create advertisement for a company I don't stand behind. And that has cost me dearly. I have been approached and the answer has been no. I figure y'all get enough ads that separate you from your money. And I would rather, if it is at all possible, be able to, I guess I do not, okay, I don't want to talk a listener out there who maybe trust me after all these years. I don't want to talk that listener who might be you into separating yourself from your money if you can't afford to do so. And also, I just really like supporting witches and pagans or, you know, animal rescues and things like that. For me, those are worthy reasons to go a little broke (laughs) Um, as opposed to buying a new bra or pair of shoes. I'm just not going to do it. I'm not. I want my actions and my feet to match my spirituality as much as possible. I'm just not mm, into capitalism. I am into supporting artists. And I will take support of my art over on my Patreon. And quite honestly, would like to eventually, you know, do the trust fall and only be supported by that. Because I do feel that I can stand up to my word and give that extra content and be my authentic self. But otherwise, I I just can't do it. So I guess when I'm talking about for my bushcrafting year that we haven't spoken about in a minute, is that I've pulled away so much from groups that are organized from, I know this is going to sound horrible, please do not take me in the wrong way, from reading, you know, the latest witch book out there. It doesn't mean I won't eventually do so. Just this year, I really want to write my own book. And this year, I really want to sink deeply into my craft. 
this podcast, y'all. It's real. (laughs) It's real. As usual, I have no notes in front of me. I've got a little beeswax candle glowing here from Farmer's Journal, and I've gifted myself a little half a glass of wine. And this is just us. I'm literally staring at my besom and talking to y'all and then looking out my window and watching the fig tree blow a little bit because I just want to sell my barbaric yawp over the hilltops and houses. And this is all I'm really trying to do. And if y'all think that's worth supporting, then yay. <laughs> yay. And all that being said, um, there is something in particular I wanted to talk about today. I think it's a natural segue to go from this whole idea of bushcraft and your witchcraft to this subject. And that is back to the whole idea of having a good death. And I know that that sounds horribly uh, maudlin, but I assure you it isn't. A realization I had sometime around my late 40s, and I'm 57 now, was that to have a good life, if that was all I focused upon, I would become just, I think, thoroughly hedonistic. And there's nothing wrong with hedonism, but I mean that that would be my entire playbook. And I didn't want that to be, you know, what would I leave behind if I went that way? but just uh, scorched earth. And so I started thinking about it. I meditated about it. I did a spell about it and divination, and it really hit me. I think coming out of my 48th year, it really sunk into me that to have a good life was not the point. The point all along was to have a good death. Now let me explain myself. A good death to me means to from whatever moment you're standing in, means to limit the damage um, to people and the earth, to limit the damage that we create from now until that death. That's one of the things it means to me. And I think that's fairly understandable. However, I think that we forget about limiting the damage to ourselves and that. And if you remember when I started the podcast, I talked about extricating ourselves from the people that cross our boundaries. And I even made a a whole statement about this, and that is that we don't have to automatically, I mean, you know, just on premise alone, automatically consider the folks that bring us this kind of pain as, you know, evil or bad. Sometimes, honey, sometimes we both are like that in a relationship. And that relationship just cannot continue. It's damaging to both of you. Now, of course, sometimes (laughs) we get what I call an asshat. And that asshat is just really there to antagonize, take from your life, uh, you know, be an energy vampire. We all know these things. But I think it's the other one that it's harder to recognize. Someone that you do think is maybe valuable in this world, but the two of y'all together is just, well, again, scorched earth. And that kind of damage is not what I want to continue. So that's one thing, is limiting that damage. But that's not enough, is it? No. So for me, that was step one, is creating boundaries. And then, of course, considering how I participate in that, 
and also looking at what I was putting into the world. And I felt so helpless back in the day. I was like, well, I cannot, for instance, I cannot make that big of an impact. I know we've all thought this way by simply recycling my things and leaving uh, a lower carbon footprint on the world. Yes, blah, blah, blah. That's one footprint, you know, and it could lead to more. It wasn't enough for me. I'm just being honest here. It wasn't enough to... Cons- Sorry, my dogs are howling in the background. Oh my God. <laughs> That's my Australian Shepherd Moonshine and her sister. And they are very <laughs> upset by something. Hold on, I better go check that. Okay, I think they're done. <laughs> that kind of threw me off a little bit. Uh, there was a siren running down the road. See, I've told y'all, when people say it feels like we're just talking, we are. Where was I, y'all? Let's have a sip of wine and try to remember. Oh, yeah. So that's when I realized that I could turn my tiny 1.25 acre into a teaching farm. Okay, I didn't realize it overnight. It took a minute. It took a long minute. And go 100% not just organic, but, you know, low impact. Now, for me, this is spiritual. And I'll explain. As a witch, I don't want anything living on my farm, on my land. And uh, I'm writing a book about this, and you will find out how much I find the word farm to be reprehensible. But we just don't really have a good uh, replacement. Anyway. These animals, um, there's a lot more than you would think. And when we first moved here, there weren't. I mean, I didn't see any bees. I didn't hear any crickets. I didn't see any tree frogs. It was kind of quiet back here. And then slowly, over time, as everything got changed, and there were a lot of mistakes made along the way, a lot of blunders, but in my endeavor to have a good death, to me, That meant give back as well, not just refuse to harm. So we began, and it was slow, and there was a lot of learning. But I think the the first thing I did, and that was because I realized, y'all sorry, uh, my accent came out a little bit too thick. I usually try to hold it back a little bit. (laughs) I'm tired, and it will just flow everywhere when I'm tired. But the first thing was that we removed bleach from the property. And there are a lot of other things we could have removed, but for me, it was just, I knew that we had a septic tank, and I knew that the bleed lines, the field lines, were dispersing that everywhere. And um, most people will automatically argue with you about this. They will say, It's not that bad, and the earth can take it, and blah, blah, blah. Let me be honest with y'all. That's all self-serving bullshit. It really is. I'm I'm sorry. It's it's bullshit. You are hurting (laughs) the ground. And I'm not a purist about it. I understand that there are folks that just can't get get away from it. I get that. But we also had a well on the farm, and it's a tiny little piece of land. And that well was feeding us and our rescue animals and our plants and our trees. And 
I don't know. I decided I didn't want a bunch of poison flowing into their veins just because I wanted something super white. And now I don't have anything white. (laughs) I really don't. And I love wearing white, but I don't have it anymore. It's too hard to keep up with. And that is a small thing. There were other things that I had to start doing. And it became like a cascade of not wanting to impact things. We have argued with people about things like Roundup and Monsano and really weren't able to do a lot of a lot of changing of mind. And so we just eliminated it. I began to find heritage seed and save my seed. I began to research and figure out a lot of ways to kind of handle bugs and all of the like. It took me forever to find the balance. It was a wonderful journey and it taught me a lot about myself as a witch. And a lot of my friends aren't willing to go through all that work. And it's not that I blame them. I don't. I fully understand because it's hard to see the results of giving back to the earth. You know, like we hand out mycelium underneath these trees because a lot of that was stripped away before we landed on the property. And I also have a problem with the word property. We really got to find better words, y'all. We give back by uh, making compost teas and allowing things to just be as natural as possible and kind of negotiate our own impact with that giving back because there's always going to be an impact. But let me skip all that and tell y'all what made it worth it for me because we have got to stop lying, okay? No one is Mother Teresa over here. If we are not seeing something, if we can't weigh something out with what we can actually measure as human beings and as witches even, we, we kind of fail. Well, at least we fail a lot of the time in consistently caring for the earth. Y'all know this. Y'all know this. But it was after we got CNG certified, which is way tougher to me anyway than being organic. Y'all can look that up on your own. They're fantastic. It was after that, about two years in after that, that we really got clear on what our small efforts had created. I refuse to believe that 1.25 acre, or it may be 1.29, but who cares, that this little tiny slice of heaven doesn't matter. I believe it does. And I'll tell you who it matters to. When we got here, Like I said, there was nothing. There were burn piles in the front yard. People had been really rough with the land. Poisons had been poured everywhere. About two years in to live in this whole other way, suddenly an entire Alabama forest began to be born right here on this little square right here. The tree frogs are everywhere. We have so many native pollinators. Swallowtails are running into native bees and so many of them, by the way. And turtles found sanctuary over here. Fox. Oh my gosh, all the fox. The birds alone. And of course, our Alabama buzzards who have decided that this is a safe place to be. (laughs) No one's going to shoot them out of a tree. 
and I'll hear my neighbors blowing at them with their shotguns, and then they'll all suddenly come over here and land. They know. They know that I don't fear them and that I understand their job. Owls, owls, big, beautiful owls, bats. Oh, summer is such a wondrous delight to watch them dive. And I could go on and on, honestly, y'all. Yes, snakes, and I'm sorry, they're important and valuable. Lizards of all kinds. It's a wonderland, literally a wonderland out here. And all you have to do is drive about 200 yards to the end of the uh, driveway here, and it all stops. The sound of crickets stops. The hoot owls stop. Everything stops. It's silent along that road. You know, the road where they pour poisons and clear-cut trees, and you get the idea. So, let's get back to, I, I don't want to wander so deeply in that you don't make the connection, and I am pretty good at doing something like that. I wanted to have a good death, and that meant not just um, limiting any harm or damage I do before I'm gone, but it also meant giving as much as I can. And leaving something, let's talk about leaving something. You know, I think when we talk about or when we hear someone talk about leaving something behind, it's more in the way of um, some sort of, I guess, narcissistic legacy of some sort. And to me, that is not, that's not a dream I'd ever want to have. More, I think, is leaving behind ideas, experience, possibilities, And so we're working really hard to try to find a way to protect this little tiny land. And I hope that one day you don't have to hear from me that I'm doing a call for action about that. We are still fighting. Um, When we moved out here, there was hardly anybody out this way. And because we live right outside of a major college town, folks are finding us and they're snatching up all this cheap land and building little mega mansions along our winding road. It is heartbreaking. Uh, The forest is assuredly being cut down out here, or the woods, I suppose, is a better way to put that. And more and more, you know, the deer are living in our yard, (laughs) you know. There's no place left to turn out here, and we have almost paid off our little slice of heaven, and um, there have been offers, weighty heavy offers to buy us out. We are inconvenient where we sit. I'll be careful describing too much because I don't want anybody showing up on my yard. I love y'all. Don't you show up over at my house without calling. (laughs) But yeah, I'll be a little careful, but we are in the way of quite a lot. Our tiny little spot, it could be a problem for developers. And, uh, I want to create something that they cannot encroach upon. I had a friend. He's a Christian, but he was the friend that actually, y'all, he's the one who knew an attorney that would take my case against uh, the university I worked for when they fired me because I was a witch. He's the one who drove me to those appointments. And he is still my friend until this day and will stand and defend stand beside me regardless of his own faith because he believes I'm a good person. Anyway, he's fantastic. 
His little home years ago was in the way of a major developer. There was a long swath of highway, and if y'all want to look at the map, y'all can. It's called Highway 280. And there were towns in the way of this, too. Uh, The little town of Waverly fought them tooth and nail and were able to keep quite a bit because of that. But my friend lived in a place in particular, owned the house outright. He lived in this place that they needed for the highway. And, uh, you know, he got attorneys. He did everything he could. You know, he's a smart man, doctoral degree. He knew exactly what was happening to him. And y'all, he lost. He lost. Which is a shock to me that you could own land and own, well, you know how I feel about that, but own it on paper, own your house, raise your kids there, and the state decide they want an interstate or a highway or something even worse, like a power plant. And, you know, you're done for. I mean, they gave him compensation, but he didn't want that. And that is what I'm worried about, our little slice of heaven. So I'm looking into ways to make it protected land, and it may not matter to most folks. But honey bunnies, when it's all gone, when all this wonder out here, and I mean, it has, it, it is wonderful. Alabama is called Alabama the Beautiful for a reason. When it's all stripped away and under concrete, would an acre just a little over that had been dedicated to the wildlife that used to be here. Would that matter? Well, it would to me. It's almost a living monument to what was natural, was sacred, was supposed to be here. And um, I know, let me calm down. I get a little angry about it, but I want to assure it. I want to assure it can't be sold, and that's going to take some leaps and jumps and some money. Um, If I can ever figure it out, we're still worrying on it. That's what I want to leave behind. I don't want a park bench in my name somewhere. I want a living, beautiful sanctuary left behind. Because I do believe that will give me a good death. Let's talk more about a good death. I've told y'all before, and I'll tell y'all again, about a moment in my master's degree, long before my doctorate. The head of that uh, committee me a minute to remember that formal word. The head of the committee pulled me into her office and I had two small little boys and I was raising them by myself. And um, here I am, the only parent. Y'all feel me? And the grandma lived a far, far way away and she will not get into her. (laughs) But on their uh, biological father's side, there was no contact, no interest. I'm all they have. Okay, and I was apparently an amazing student. I will say that I did really well. And she pulled me into that office that day and she said, we need to talk. Y'all, it's been a while since I've told the story. So if you've already heard it, y'all, you know, hang in there with me now. And here I am, you know, um, what was I, mid-30s, maybe just a touch later. And I just adored this woman. I thought so much out of her. I I looked up to her, and what she wanted to discuss with me was that I was turning down too many conferences. You see, in academia, you're supposed to go to all these conferences. Now, I went to a shit ton. I mean, a lot. But I wouldn't go if they interfered with my kids. 
One that I went to in Boston one time when I was a speaker over there for a big conference, I took my kids. I found the money. I forget how I found it. And, uh, and I took them. And that meant that I couldn't go to all of the other, you know, speakers or whatever. I made them stay in the hotel room, went down, did my big speech, and that was it. And we enjoyed the rest of our trip. You see, they were more important to me at the time. And I think all of us get to make our own life decisions. For me, I'd asked them to come into the world. I'd had them on purpose. And I wanted my cake and I wanted to eat it too. And I'm not ashamed of that. I thought it was fair. Men did it all the time, you know. So her whole point to me was that I was going to have to make a decision between prioritizing my children or my career and that I was making a huge mistake. And I will repeat what she said to me. She said, I want you to imagine you're on your deathbed. Uh Now you see why it's relevant, right? Hold on, I'm going to connect it all. And all you have surrounding you are your children and your grandchildren. And you're laying there thinking, I could have been somebody. Anyway, this bitch. (laughs) Ah, you know, we all get to decide where our priorities lie, don't we? That children. And this woman was, I think, demeaning me because I wanted to balance my life because they were just as important to me. And so I took a deep breath and I looked at her in the eye and I'm sure my ears turn red. I have extraordinarily short hair, y'all, and my ears turn red when I get pissed off, like beet red. And I said her name, I'm not going to tell y'all, I think the scarier thing for me is to be on that deathbed and be surrounded by books that I'd published and awards on the wall and wish so much that my grandchild would come in and hug my neck. So I choose, if that's what you're forcing me to do, I choose my family. And thank you. Thank you for assuring that I thought through what I want my death to look like. So the seeds of thinking about a good death started a long time ago for me. The lessons just didn't get all the way in. But I will tell you, When you get a little older and you go through menopause and, you know, your hair starts going white, if you're like me, you will start to think about what's, I mean, what kind of time, honestly, what's left on the planet for you. And instead of eating it all up like it was cake, what I decided I wanted it to be was that I wanted to leave a legacy of something else. I wanted to leave the love for nature. I wanted to leave helping other people. And I know I'm not Mother Teresa. I'm not. I'm not that good. But it is a relief for this old Gen Xer to know that there will at least be something, I suppose, of worth. Something that mattered. I remember a friend of mine asking me one time, he was like, all right, well, you hit 50. What's the secret of life? (laughs) Oh, y'all would hate my answer. It sounds like an, I'm, I'm not an old hippie. I'm too young to be an old hippie, although I was right there in the 60s. I was just too short. But I, I know the answer to it now. And I feel like Billy Crystal 
right now in that movie where he runs off and finds the secret of life and that uh, cattle move he did. Isn't that funny? I can't remember the name of it. I'm sure you're naming it right now where you're sitting going, come on, Seba. It's, and I think the word city's in it. I can't remember. But it doesn't matter. Now calm down that I forgot that. Just go with me. It's that whole one thing, remember, where the finger goes up and it's that one thing. Because I don't think that there is a definitive binary answer to what's the secret to life. I think we have to find our one thing, bat children. And it's not just eating cake. And it's not just staying alive. And it's not just paying the bills. So hopefully, hopefully we all have a chance to find it. I think I have a lot of things, but I do have a one thing. I do. And mine, mine is that nature always mattered a whole fuck ton more than we thought it did. For me, it's that I found healing on my knees in the woods. I found love. I found acceptance. I found nurturance. I found everything, forgiveness, everything I ever needed when I found the craft. I may have always been this thing. And I think I always have been a witch you know, but I never felt whole, not until I became the witch I am today. So, secret to life, I don't know. What's yours? Mine is that I want to have a good death. I want to lay on whatever that bed is, or, I mean, I hope, right? I hope that's the way it happens. But in that moment when I'm leaving, I want there to be something of peace for me. And that is selfish. That is not altruistic. The problem is for me to have that kind of peace, I have to feel like there was good, something good. I'm thinking about the sound of music now. I love that song, Something Good. But that's what I want to leave behind. And I think knowing that I have, and as much as I could, that will give me that peace I want. And that will give me a good death. So don't focus on a good life anymore. Because to focus on a good death means automatically get it. (laughs) all right that's enough wanderings from an aging witch y'all get the idea but just so y'all know my grandma was my hero and I didn't feel loved growing up and I suffered all kinds of trauma and those are just facts that's just the way it is but she invested in me so much love that when I would feel at the bottom of a well and when everything that I was trying to build about myself was stripped away and I was told that I was not good enough. I was the devil's spawn. I was a disappointment. I'm just a bad seed. All of those things I was told growing up. When that would happen, it was like a safety net underneath me as I started to fall, y'all. That kind of love, it can weave a web. It can save people as they fall. So... Investing in human beings, investing that kind of web in them, that's also a worthy endeavor. And it's one I'm working on now. (laughs) I hope when I leave, those people that I've invested all that love in, and I've spun all those webs around, I hope when they fall, it will be gentle and something will be there to catch them. 
All right, I'm going to go stare at my sweet potato slips and wish I could get them in the damn ground. I'm sure it's all going to be okay. I tend to worry. I'm a type A, so I'm very worried over them. I'm very concerned. But what I'm not worried about is that anything living on this property is going to have one taste of poison. They're all going to have a wonderful life as long as I'm here to defend it. So, let me get back out there to them. And I've got to do a little bushcrafting. I have some besoms to make out there in the woods. And I'm so excited. I hope y'all enjoyed the yucca episode. I'm going to film a little bit of that. Love y'all like chicken. Talk to you next week. Y'all have been listening to the Southern Fried Witch Podcast. Come back around next week for a little bit more magic from the Deep South.